Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, filling in for Mon while she is away in Africa. And unfortunately, we won't be able to give you Mon's radio log today because Mon is in a very remote part of Kenya where there is no Wi-Fi, no mobile signal, no form of communications whatsoever at all. So our prayers are with Mon today as she continues the work there in Africa. Looking forward to her coming back in three days' time to continue her radio logs here on Faith FM. But coming up in today's news, we will be talking about uh, we will be talking about music festivals. We will be talking um, uh, um, uh, about what are we talking about today? Those stories have disappeared out of my mind already, but they will come back to me here in just a moment. The one thing that is foremost in my mind is that we will be talking about the seal of God in our Encounter with God section. Of course, in our uh, regular interview, we have an amazing uh, piece that uh, comes to us. Uh, I've got um, Dr. John Ashton joining us in the studio, and he has written a book called Evolution Impossible. I'd encourage anybody to get a copy of this book, everyone to get a copy of this book, because it is just absolutely outstanding uh, material. Many of the leading scientists, both Christian and atheist in our world today, coming to the conclusion that evolution is an impossibility and as a theory requires at the very least closer examination. And of course, copying a lot of Backlash for that. Well, he's going to be talking about that book and uh, some of the information that is contained therein. Uh, of course, we have uh, great music and we have uh, our quiz and we have our free offer. And if you're going to be a part of any of these things, you need to swap over to the live show. So once again, we'd like to remind you all how to swap over to the live show. And of course, on the live show, not only will you get a live show, but you'll get a much better signal. And so simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play. Or then, or you get the tune in app, download it to your phone, the tune in radio app, make sure you get the free version, download it to your phone, and make Faith FM your favorite. So it's just a one click button and you are listening to the show. And of course, that's how we all listen to Faith FM because then you never have to worry about driving out of signal range. If you are in one of those areas where the signal is not as strong as you would like it to be, then you need to listen via your phone because you will have a perfect signal everywhere at all times. Anyway, stay tuned. So much that and so much more great programming coming up on today's show.
Welcome back, guys. That was Chris McClarney with Breathe On Me, Breath of God here on Faith FM. And you better get ready to call because our quiz is about to come up. 1-800-324-843. You get bragging rights plus, plus a prize if you can get the answer to this question. What have you got for us there, Lawson? All right. This is a Who Am I quiz, Lyle. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ready to go? Ready to here go. Here we go. First clue. Yep. Make it happen. I protect those whose names are written in the book of life. No, what? No, sorry. In the book. Sorry. Well, I could say that's the book of life, but it's in the book. I protect those whose names are written in the book. Ooh, look at that face. Yeah. Look at that face. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, and he's got it correct. So, no so double no, prizes. This is no up. better than to ask me questions that relate to certain books of the Bible. I. <laughs> Um, kind of really like studying and I'm very familiar with. <laughs> okay, so if you know Lyle and That's you know hint. the books that he likes studying. <laughs> That's a hint. And if you know who protects those written in the book, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and we will give you a prize. But Lyle. Yes. Lyle, I told you that I know something about you. But you don't even know yourself a big secret, a big <laughs> scandalous secret. Here it comes. You heard it for the first time okay. on Faith FM. I don't know whether it's real or not. Okay, but okay. This is this is basically fake news. I am going to fake news coming up. Build a case. Fake news alert. Build a scientific case. A, si- a scientific yes. case. Yes. That Lyle Southwell proven, testable, and yep, repeatable. Yep. Right. Uh, Lyle Southwell. science. Lyle Southwell. Sounds more like the science of evolution shh, to me. Shh, shh. Lyle Southwell. Yes. You are a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Okay. So I am a millennial. It might sound like a bit of an anomaly because you're outside the age range of being a millennial. But, 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 but I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but there was, there was a thing going around on the internet for a while that was like, they were saying coconuts are mammals because they have hair and make milk. Coconuts of mammals because they have hair and make milk. So, there are anomalies to the classification system. And listen, (laughs) Kay Lyle, I want to ask you a series of questions. (laughs) The first one being, are you currently owning or renting your house? Uh, I'm currently renting my okay, house. Okay, okay. So, that is that is very substantial evidence to to say that you're- By the way, I'm a very proud ex-gen- X-Gen are the generation that rule. X-Gen is the greatest generation that has ever lived on planet Earth. No, 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 no. You're a millennial, so check check it out. Here we go. Baby Boom is the the generation that messed everything up. (laughs) X-Gen are the generation that are rescuing it. And millennials, that's just like, yeah, don't even go there. No, no, no. Lyle Southwell, you're a millennial. So, firstly, (laughs) firstly, okay, you're renting. Yes. Which is which is a big now, sign. Now, there's a really important reason why I'm oh, running. I'm going to comment on it. I'm going to comment on it. Okay, okay. Tell me you're trying to defend yourself. Okay, so basically what uh, my wife and I chose to do when we um, started our family was to invest my wife's potential income into our children. And that was a great investment, but it does mean that you don't get to own a house when you, when you get to mid-40s. Okay. Well, that's that's the first piece of evidence. That's the first. That's the first conclusion I came to. I'm like... Lyle Southwell's renting. That's a big step in the millennial. In the ah, millennial keep space. going, keep but, going, keep but going. But it's not going. only that because I asked myself. I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, Lyle, Lyle is is self respecting. You know, takes personal responsibility. How could that guy possibly be a millennial? And then this and then, is true. And then this is true. And then then well, it, I'm glad that you're saying this. Keep going, Lawson. Then keep going. No, on this but mode. this morning, this morning, you can believe that part. That's not. I, I received a text this morning. I paid him to say that. I, I received a text that that 
that just blew me out of the water. This is how it read. It said, no Monrog today. So, we have no messages coming in from Mon today. Mm-hmm. You will need stories. And you is not written Y-O-U, but with a U. Okay. And I was like, no, surely not. I was like, this must be a mistake. This must be a mistake. But I go back, 30th of Jan. Hey, mate, can you start tomorrow? Written with a U. 16th of Jan. Are you available for radio from the February Okay, let me 14th? tell you where this comes from. Okay, no, 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 no. Let's keep no, going. No, no, no. This is not... This is, this hey, mate, you good to do radio today, December 18th. <laughs> you still good to do radio on these dates, November 26th. See, I'm organized. See, see you're just letting everybody know that I'm organized. <laughs> Making sure that, that Lawson is on the money. Lyle. See, it works like this. This is a sign that I date back to the era of old school, indestructible uh, Nokia's with a battery that lasts for an entire week or more. Back when you had to press a number on your keypad like three times to bring up a letter, and back then we had all kinds of abbreviations. Yeah, but that was in the days of the millennials, mate. Yeah, and we learnt those abbreviations and we mastered them and we still use them because they're awesome. Exactly. So, I have basically so you, you, scientifically you, you, you deduced... Z, you Z-Gen. Lyle Southwell. Lyle Southwell. Keypad and a battery that lasts for about half and a day. And autocorrect, clearly. And autocorrect. But Lyle Southwell, you are a millennial. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this to you on live radio, but it's just true. And you can just accept it. I think you'll find that I think you'll find that X Gens used to use mobile phones back in the day as well. No, (laughs) and and, and tap away on numbers. You wouldn't even remember those days. Too young for it. No. Oh well, I I remember my parents like when I was like six having brick phones. But the first phone I ever got when I was I was like twelve was an iPhone four. (laughs) <laughs> so, yep Generation Z That was Right there That was like yeah 12, 13 Classic When I was in year 7 Generation Z When I was in year 7 I got an iPhone for my birthday So Bam <laughs> But yeah like, Marta sorry. did you ever have a phone That had numbers on it Just numbers See Marta did And she's your generation Yeah Marta's like a year older than me I think so that Makes all the difference yeah, right Yeah Huge <laughs> difference Shout out my 98 babies Any of them listening right across Australia You know Call in 1-800-324-843 But yeah So Lyle You're a millennial Get over it Okay <laughs> Next I have a quick story to touch on um, This is actually super Really really cool A guy named David Aguilar um, he's from Spain and he's just created a prophetic, uh, uh, sorry, a prophetic, prosthetic, not a prophetic, but a prosthetic arm using Lego. Okay. So, this is a really cool looking thing. It, it's like this prosthetic arm. It's got motors inside of it for movement. And uh, yeah, he's just made it. Con- Which goes to show there's nothing you can't build out of Lego. Amen. Amen. And it's just they built like. a car the other day. You can actually drive. You know that. Yeah. Well. Out of Lego. Bugatti. Built a Bugatti Chiron, which is their their newest version of the Veyron. They built a Chiron out of Lego, the entire thing, and then put a Bugatti motor in it, and then drove it around. Yeah, exactly. It's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. But this dude, he um, best toy. He, David Aguilar, he's from Spain, and he's currently studying at the uh, the University of Catalonia, and he's only nineteen years old. And yeah, he's just built a prosthetic arm out of Lego. He was. But I mean, what kid wouldn't want? 
who kid who needed a prosthetic arm wouldn't want a Lego one. Seriously. Yeah. Well, he himself, he um he uh was born um deformed in the arm, like he's missing his forearm. So basically his arm is a some he's still got his elbow joint, um but his arm is a is a stump from there on. And um yeah, he just had a desire of making a moving and working arm, you know, for a rather affordable price and he's he's um yeah, currently studying engineering. So he was like Oh, I've learnt all this stuff. I'm just going to chuck it all together and see what happens. And so, yeah, he just got some Legos and and some motors, and and bam, he's got a he's got a prosthetic arm. It's really the the latest model. So he named them all like Mark One, Mark Two, Mark Three, and Mark Four after Iron Man because mm-hmm. like that's how the suits go in Iron Man. And anyways, yeah. So the yeah, latest it's kind one, of like a lot of things in technology. Yeah, in but, but like he, he <laughs> whatever. Okay, whatever. But anyways, <laughs> but yeah, he um the the latest one he the first one he made just had this pinch. It was like just two little um rods at the end, and you could touch the thing, and the motor like pulled them together. But now it's like a whole hand that closes like with with a motor as like he presses the button thumb and fingers yeah so it's it's just really cool i was like man that's awesome that is just the the best thing ever like to see someone they're like oh man i really want an arm this guy's like i really want an arm and so he just did it himself it's a bit different from the old days of uh, captain hook yeah no, or you know a stump or a peg or something you know we uh we're so blessed you know to live in to live in 2019 and have all this amazing technologies that millennials thought of and lyle you now get to claim that for yourself. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he it's loves just, it. Just, it's just people who people who used to have old school Nokias that lasted for like a month on their battery. <laughs> they just have shortcuts that uh, just make life easier. It's yeah. Just, we're just smarter, you know. We're just smarter. We're just smarter. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Lyle. Lyle, Lyle, Lyle. This guy, man, he's just, he's trying to defend himself, but you just, you can't deny the millennial life. He's stuck in it and he has always been one. Now this is Caleb and Kelsey with 10,000 Reasons.
You listen to Caleb and Kelsey with 10,000 Reasons here on Faith FM. Time for another clue for our quiz. Nobody has snapped up the prize yet, so here it comes. 1-800-324-843 is the number. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. What have you okay, got for us, here we go. Here we go. Who am I? I said first, I protect those um, whose names are written in the book. Here we go. Next clue. I am the chief prince. Kudoki, also found in that same book. It's a quote from that same book that uh, Lyle really likes to study. I really like to study. That's that's your extra clue for the day. Yeah. So if you know that book, this individual is mentioned a couple of times in that particular book. So give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You will get a prize. Lyle, what do we have? Well, I was thinking about Generation Z. Oh, okay. And you are definitely Generation Z, although I think you're part baby boomer. But we're trying to scientifically deduce yes, I'm that to, I'm a boomer. I'm going to scientifically deduce that uh, Lawson is a baby boomer. But you are definitely Generation Z because I have to tell you something about Lawson. Lawson loves to share big ideas, mm. deep, deep thoughts, mm. um, discuss philosophy mm-hmm. and, you know, the nature of the world, the nature of how things are, politics yeah. and, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And he does it through sharing memes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the Generation Z way of dealing with big ideas. It oh, is. look at this latest meme right here. And Dude, just seriously. I like- think he shared with me like three memes already this morning, which is... <laughs> Which is actually unusual for Lawson. I usually get more than that, but um, <laughs> limiting limiting himself this morning because I was running a little bit short. It's actually that. it's usually me and Harley. It's usually me and your son. We're just sending each other like See, this memes generation about. Said. You don't say me and you say Harley and, <sighs> Harley and I. I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Said. Yes. Yes. Said. Yes, Mister Southwell. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you better believe it too. Us X gens will get you Z gens sorted out. But you're yes. a millennial, sir. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Okay. Right. So, in the United States, mm. uh, the $95 billion profit-making beef industry is a little bit worried. Yeah. Um, they sold last year 26 billion pounds of dead cow. Yes. For people to eat dead cows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, however, the um, um, they've just brought out a amongst many many other products over there the Impossible Burger, the Impossible Ooh, Burger, yeah, which has created a bit of a threat for them because it tastes exactly like a beef burger. Flager? In fact, they used um, for their for their test subjects they they selected chefs from across the United States who specialize in cooking meat to try and discover whether this was up to par or not, and they could virtually tell no difference between this one and the real thing. What is it made out of? Ah, soybeans and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I never made the thing, and I guess it's, <laughs> I would be very few people who would know what it's made out of because I reckon they would protect that uh, fairly closely. But I would say this. I would say this. Your soy-based meat products have become so real in recent times that mm. I don't even eat them because I've been a vegetarian for too long now, mm-hmm. and I've lost the taste for yep. flesh. And so it's just like, yeah, yeah, nah, it tastes too much like meat to me. Can't eat <laughs> it's too stuff. close. It's too close. So yeah. Can't eat this stuff. Yep. yep. Um, so what this has ended up with is legislate, legislators rushing to legislate to protect the beef industry. Mm-hmm. 
And you might wonder why. Uh, of course, the yeah. beef industry is the largest contributor to um, to you know uh, uh, carbon emissions and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not carbon, but um, the chemicals that wreck the atmosphere, methane and so forth. Yeah, which is thirty times more powerful than carbon. So, yes, you can uh, create a carbon offset by becoming a vegetarian that uh, you can drive a V8 for the rest of your life and you will never, ever catch up to uh, where you'd be if you were a meat eater driving a Prius. And so that's Lyle's, like, excuse for himself. Yeah, it's like, my carbon <laughs> offset. I don't, I, I, I don't need a V8, just for the, just for the record. Um, but this is a result of the beef industry spending, cop this, $6.52 million dollars lobbying legislators mm-hmm. because they are afraid of losing their industry. Yeah. So it's interesting when, uh, you know, uh, 92% uh, – uh, sorry, um, 8% of Americans self-identify in some way as vegetarian, mm-hmm. which is a long way behind Australia. 20% yeah. of Australia self-identifies as vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beef industry is seeing a problem here and a threat and there's – a big enough threat that they are willing to spend six point five two million dollars lobbying government, um, and of course the government in response spent eighty million dollars promoting beef. Now this Man. I find fascinating because this is counterintuitive. You know the World Health Organization has come out very very strongly some years ago and talked about red meat as being a primary cause of cancer, mm-hmm. heart disease, and diabetes in our world. These are the three big diseases that are killing us, and you would think that a government would do the opposite because of the cost that it places on the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. But basically they're um, telling people to eat the most resource-intensive food on the planet. Yeah. Yes, yeah, this is the so thing, man. Is The like- average plate of food, when it arrives, just just. just Think about this in terms of oil. Mm-hmm. When you eat a plate of food, eight times the weight of the food that is on that plate was used in oil to get it there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the world that we live in today. Mm. And that's because it's such a resource, you know, particularly uh, meat, uh, dead animals is such a, uh, a resource-intensive food. Um, so just some examples, uh, the uh, beef industry, oh, and this is over and above the lobbying money, uh, donations to political causes, they donated nearly 300000 to Ted Cruz, 50000 to Jim Costa, nearly 50000 to Martha, Martha McSally. <laughs> not Martha, you know? not Martha in the studio. No, not Martha, Martha. <laughs> and, uh, and in 2015, the USDA wanted to change the dietary guidelines for the United States to reduce the amount of meat that was on those uh, dietary guidelines. Mm-hmm. And Congress, mind you, Congress stepped in and blocked it. Wow. So this is a, this is a powerful lobby group yeah. that is working incredibly hard for the purpose of keeping people incredibly unhealthy. Now, I'm no businessman. Nor, nor am I, you know, a dietitian or an accountant or, or anything of note that, that could give me any valuable say in this situation. But at the same time, I'm just like, why don't you use all the land that you have for grazing, get rid of all the cows, and then just farm soybeans? And you're like... Yeah, why are you so worried about <laughs> losing your industry? You've got lots of land that you can use for, you know, just diversify. In, in fact... Grow something else like, other than beef. They would probably have more land than the soybean industry. 
Oh, like infinitely like more. infinitely more land. Infinitely so they could just more. jump on the soybean train, build their own impossible burgers, and bam, like they've got an immediate market. You know, like come yeah, on, guys, trendy, step it, step it up. Uh, this is this is what uh, Generation Zs are looking for, isn't it, Lawson? Yeah, dude, this is my time. I should I should just waltz into one of the big, you know. Walks into one of the big um big companies and just give them my idea and say, look, I've already patented. It. I'll just sell it to you for five million dollars, and then think they they can buy it from me, and and we'll be good. Going to more local news <laughs> here on the Central Coast, there's a bit of a furor that's been stirring over the last couple of days mm-hmm. as Mountain Sounds Music Festival has uh, closed for this year, and cop this. Okay, they are blaming the government. Oh. Uh, all right. That, you know, you've got a situation where, you know, this has been closed because of the amount of drugs that are being used at music festivals and five young people have died. You know, that's one per month. Yeah. Here in New South Wales, uh, one young person per month dying as a result of taking drugs at a music festival, and this is somehow the government's fault. Mm-hmm. And the government has stepped into tighten restrictions and to make music festivals safer, and so now it's the government's fault that this music festival can't go forward. Yeah. No, music festivals need to step up their game. They need to take responsibility for the fact that they have become just drug-fueled death parties for young people mm. and sort their problems out. Yeah, I, man, this is oh, this is a whole new. Blame we don't have the, the we don't have the time seriously. to talk about this, but seriously, like with the whole pill testing thing as well, yeah, it's we ultimately circular logic and people not taking responsibility for themselves. That's right. That's what it is. Like, and this is coming from a millennial. Everyone wants to blame everyone else. Like this is coming from a young person who has lots of friends who goes to music festivals. I personally don't go to music festivals, but I like my sisters go, yeah, my friends go, to music go festivals. and it's just like. Anyone who argues for pill testing and that it's the you know the government's fault that we're not safe or whatever, look, take responsibility for yourself. You know everyone's going to do drugs is not an excuse. Just take None responsibility. Yeah, and and simply don't do drugs and just you know enjoy Bam. the music without the no drugs. problems. This is all sons and daughters with wake up. Stand up
Back guys, that was all sons and daughters uh, with Wake Up here on Faith FM. Lawson, you got another clue for our quiz there. Yeah, but before I do get into the clue for the quiz, I'll tell you about the prize for the quiz. We have an awesome copy of a book called The Great Controversy. This is a book that is uh, directly actually related to the quiz. It's got got some stuff. There you go. Yeah, you know. It does. It's so, just we, powerful stuff. Here yeah. we go. Who am I? Um... Okay, this is this is the next clue. I disputed with the devil about the body of Moses. Okay, if you know who that is, you know what our number is, 1-800-FAITH-FM. And joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton. Uh, Dr. John Ashton is an author of numerous books, but particularly wanted to get John on this morning to talk about his book called Evolution Impossible. John, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, sir. Pleasure to be on here. Now, Dr. John Ashton, I noticed that in the uh, in the intro to the in, the in the very beginning of the book, there's a statement here that is quoted by from uh, Professor Bernard Davis, who has spoken of Darwin's law and stated that to impunge the theory of of uh, evolution is ignorance and effrontery. John, I'm just wondering, you've written a book here called Evolution Impossible. Have you committed ignorance and effrontery here? Um, well, no, I've just uh, challenged that statement. Those scientists like um, Davis, he was a, a world-famous uh, microbiologist at uh, the Massachusetts... Uh, no, at Harvard, actually, at Harvard, and... Um, and hence a very influential uh, scientist. And he certainly believed that um, evolution could ex- uh, has explained the origin of, of life on Earth. And I think a lot of scientists, particularly of uh, those uh, generations, um, uh, you know, in the mid-1900s, uh, this sort of thing, later part of the 1900s, certainly believed that. But the past 20 years or so have revealed amazing insights into you know, bio, the biochemistry 
of life and uh, particularly the um, elucidation of the structure of ribosomes uh, back in about 2006, 2007. Uh, this is a, a little a molecular machine that reads the DNA code and I think a growing number of scientists now recognise that um, evolution, the, the Darwin theory of evolution couldn't, couldn't have happened, it can't explain. Uh, mutations and random selection can't explain uh, how life evolved. Yeah, for can't sure. explain life on Earth. Mm. Now, um, some time ago, you had a discussion with a um, with a, a, another research scientist um, on the subject of new purposeful genetic material uh, arising as the result of mutations. I'm just wondering whether you could uh, share with us a little bit about where that discussion went and that and that experience. Yeah, sure. No, that was interesting. We were, were having lunch discussing um, an a, a Australian Research Council uh, grant proposal. Um, at this particular university, they had developed a new type of um, wheat as a result of mutations that had a more resistant, uh, uh, had, had a starch that was more resistant to digestion and hence a lower glycemic index. And we were talking about the breeding process and that, that's when I asked the uh, the uh, professor there, senior plant breeder, um, uh, did he know of some examples? Because I was, you know, p- pondering this. You know, everybody claims that this this uh, this occurs, and I thought, you know, here's an opportunity. These are guys, plant breeders. This is exactly what they're doing. They're they're trying to produce new types of uh, crops and so forth. And his reply was, yeah, sure. And um, and then I said, well, you know, what's an example? And he, he he couldn't think of one. Now there were several other uh, you know leading sites. We were having dinner together with another four of us. None of them com- commented uh, about that. But what this professor said: Look, ask our senior geneticist. He'll be able to give you some. And so after the meeting, I had a few moments later in the day. I went up to the next floor, met with the geneticist. He was a really nice guy, and he said, "No, never." Uh, there's, it, it doesn't happen. You don't produce new purpose or uh, gen- genetic information as a result of mutations. They knock out information. They destroy information. So this was a real eye-opener and really um, that really catalyzed that I really need to get down and really research into this. And and that's when the book I began writing the book. Ah, so this was actually some of the inspiration for the book. Now, of course, I would, and this is just from a layman's perspective, but from a layman's perspective, I would say that, you know, new purpose, purposeful genetic material coming about as a result of mutations, that would be foundational to the whole concept of evolution. Would that be right? Oh, yes, yes. And this is this is one of the mistakes that people perhaps don't understand so clearly and including myself until I researched into it evolutionary changes occur and changes in the genetic code occur but when you look at the types of changes that occur they're all where information has been deleted and then as a result something else you know doesn't uh, doesn't happen for example you know the evolution of um, antibiotic resistance uh, many uh, bacteria results from the fact that the transporter molecule to or system to take the uh, poison or the toxin in that's going to kill the bacteria, the genes to produce that transport molecule have been deleted and therefore it can't take the poison in. 
So its antibiotic resistance results from a dilution of the mechanism that enabled the poison to work. Um, but what we have um, for evolution to occur, Darwinian-type evolution to occur, is we say we have the, the code for a fish and we have the code for a fish fin. For it to evolve into an amphibian, we've got to produce new code that actually makes you know, the, uh, the, the leg or the arm and all the joints in the leg and the arm and all the muscles and tendons and nerves and the shoulder blade system or pelvic system. You know, we've got to, you've got to have in, uh, code, new code that actually makes all these new parts that work. You know, so you read books like, um, you know, Richard Dawkins' Evolution of the Greatest Show on Earth and he talks about, you know, there were these droughts and the fish that were able to produce stronger fins sort of were able to crawl to the next pond and survive and that sort of mechanism solely evolved into, you know, an arm or a leg sort of thing on the animal. Well, that, that can't happen because you've got to write new code. And what the claim was that over time there would be mutations in the offspring that produce these new codes. But it doesn't happen that way. Mutations don't produce new meaningful code. They destroy parts of the DNA. You might have a replication of parts of the DNA, but those parts, those little replication things, are usually totally meaningless. They're, they're not large enough to write sub the substantial amounts of code that are necessary to produce a new part. And I think a growing number of scientists recognise that. Matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, it was published that over a thousand scientists have now signed the petition, and this is the wording of the petition, we are sceptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. And if you just Google that, a thousand scientists are sent from Darwinism. Um, there, there's, you can, uh, there's a link to the website of the Discovery Institute. And you see these guys are professors from top institutes around the world. Oxford University, Harvard University, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, lots of other universities. Their qualifications are in the areas of biology and genetics and these sort of areas. So as I said, this is published just in the last couple of weeks and this is a growing number of scientists that are recognising that this claim mechanism for evolution is actually impossible and it's never been observed, it doesn't occur and at the moment there's no other explanation for how the amazing codes in nature could arise. Would, would, would this just be a group of a thousand scientists who are Christians and therefore have an agenda or an axe to grind in this area? Look, I dare say that most of them are. I mean, they don't, you know, describe their uh, particular affiliation, but there are certainly a, a number of leading atheist scientists and, and philosophers that have spoken out um, and, and pointed this out, and uh, who who are you know atheists, uh, you know perhaps one of the uh, most prestigious ones would be, or eminent ones would be Professor Tom and Thomas Nagel, who's um, a professor of uh, philosophy at the University of New York, and his book Mind and the Cosmos, published by Oxford University Press just recently, about um, you know just a few a couple of years ago, and he points out he again points out that. Uh, we need to listen to the intelligent design situation because um, e evolution really is impossible. And um, 
So you've got another person would be Eugene Coonan. He's um, the director of uh, genetics research at um, the National Institute of Health in the United States. So he's another. Um, you know, atheist, hardcore scientist, and he says, you know, you've got the code, but, you know, you, you, you claim that somehow the code, uh, DNA code can arise, but what about the code reader? The code's useless unless you have the code reader, the ribosomes. You know, how is a molecule composed of over 300,000 atoms going to rise by chance that can read this code? You know, and then you've got another philosopher, Jerry Foda, um, professor of philosophy at the University of Rutgers in the, um, in the US. Um, uh, and he pointed out the same thing, but it's interesting. He couldn't get his paper published in a, in a scientific journal. He could, and his paper was called Why Pigs Don't uh, Fly or Why Pigs Don't Have Wings. Um, uh, Why Pigs Don't Have Wings, that's right. That was the title of his paper. He could only uh, get it published in a literary uh, journal. Uh, because there was so much opposition to this. But the, these are leading scientists that are, and leading philosophers that are recognising, you know, hang on, Darwin's proposed theory actually doesn't work. It can't explain the origin of life on Earth. But isn't the basic concept of science, you know, th- that everything should be under investigation and if somebody can challenge something, you know, shouldn't we, shouldn't, isn't that what science is all about? You know, challenge the concept, challenge the findings, and that's how we actually learn more? Yeah, this is a uh, you know a very interesting situation, and in probably in just about all areas of science, this would be um, correct. But then there are certain areas of science that seems that you know particular politics have got involved, and one of those is evolution. You can't challenge the theory of evolution now, and it's very interesting that like academies of science uh, or science academies around the world have published statements along the line, including the Australian Academy of Sciences. So essentially, and essentially these statements say there is now a vast body of factual knowledge supporting the, the theory of evolution and which is now essentially regarded as a fact. But when you look at this vast body of knowledge that they, that they talk about, it's, it's knowledge reporting evolutionary changes and natural selection and, and so forth. But these evolutionary changes that they're observing, most of them involve the loss of information or the duplication of pre-existing information. They don't actually have, not, they're not experiments, they're not proven research papers showing that new genetic codes forms that can produce a new body part, new substantial forms of code Conform. So what they're saying is, sure, we absorb heaps of, of evolution, but not the evolution that Darwin was talking about, not the types of evolution that the average person in the street believes, you know, represents evolution, where you have a fish changing into an amphibian, amphibian into a reptile, reptile into a bird, this sort of thing. There's no evidence for that. There's evidence for these other sort of minor sort of things, you know, you know, beetles um, developing wingless uh, beetles and this sort of thing so they can't fly, these sort of types of evolution. Sure. And this is the subtle difference. And this isn't being explained to, to students that's being kept from them. And, and scientists that are trying to point this out have certainly been, you know, penalised. Mm. So... Yeah, when we talk about empirical science, you know, science that is um, testable, 
you know, repeatable, um, that kind of thing. Has anything been discovered within that field um, that actually disproves the Bible? Oh, no, not that um, that I'm aware of. Although, you you know, sometimes you, you get people make these statements, well, the Bible talks about the, you know, the sun moving across the sea.
so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me for the dealing of God left his glory Be true. Change.